Welcome back to the Creator Club podcast. You're here with John Marsh. And if you're a coach or creative business owner, this is your show to learn the key skills you need to attract dream clients, grow your business, and build confidence. Today on the show, we've got a conversation with Melanie Kay. Mel is a coach and exercise physiologist based in South Australia, and she works with women to help them to understand and control their health without the use of diets and supplements so that they can feel confident in their nutrition and lifestyle choices and feel amazing. In this conversation, we talk about how Mel got into the work that she's currently doing and how she helps her clients. Hope you enjoy this one. Let's jump into the show. You're here with John Marsh, and this is the Creator Club podcast. And today we're speaking with Mel Kay. Um, yeah, so I actually did my first year of university was landscape architecture. And I learned very quickly that I did not have a single design bone in my body. Um, a friend of mine was at Bathurst and said, hey, you should come and check out the sports degree here. Um, so I did and absolutely fell in love with um, just learning about the human body and the rehab side of things. When I finished my undergrad degree, I again, sort of had no idea, you know, I was just a kid with human movement, um, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Everyone else went off and did physio and I said, I don't want to do that. So I went and did a year of Cairo. And after a year of Cairo, I found myself missing the exercise component. And also the model that they were teaching at Cairo was that, you know, hey, come twice a week for however many weeks and then drop back to once a week for however many weeks. And it just didn't have enough em emphasis on the patient and, again, the human body and its healing. So went back and did my master's in exercise physiology, and that's how I sort of got into it all. Did you grow up with exercise? Like when you – was this like a big part of your childhood and upbringing? Like were you doing different sports and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so I was first grade water polo all through high school and swimming, and but I didn't make the connection that uh, it was just something that we did. The school that I went to was quite heavily into sports, and it was just part of the curriculum. And everyone everyone did sports really, so it was just part of it. Um, it wasn't actually till I got into year twelve and I stopped doing sport to focus on my studies, and I just my mental health took a massive dive and I remember my mum saying to me one day you just need to get out of you just need to get outside you need to go for a run you need to just get out of the house I wasn't a runner like I said I was a swimmer and I went for this run it was raining and I remember at the end of the run going whew like I'm okay and the world's not a bad place and I honestly think that was the first seed to again there's something in this movement and healing and breathing capacity for healing yeah cool so when you came out of exercise physiology i know a few exercise physiologists not tons but they from what i know a lot of them ended up in um either gyms or uh, alongside physiotherapists and these kinds of settings what did you do was that similar for you like what was your first step like fresh out of studying 
So I think where I ended up being really fortunate to step outside that sort of um, allied health clinic and away from physios and those sorts of things, not that there's anything bad with that, but where I sort of differed was I like to say that I was raised by personal trainers. Mm -hmm. So when I was at uni, I was working in gyms um, and getting that initial exposure with personal trainers. And again, they're on the floor, they're working with people, they're watching them move, they're asking them about their life history, they're putting all these factors together to design the exercise plan. Um, I mean, part of that was definitely you know, the group fitness classes and um, there was the start of diet culture in that as well. But I really well and truly had some amazing trainers raise me to show me that the human body was one whole unit and that it needed to work together mm. to get that, that human being that's standing in front of you where they need to go. Yeah. Okay. And so where did that lead you professionally? What did you start to focus on and and where did you head? So when I finished university, you know, I did the university thing and, you know, you meant to go and get a job. And so I went and got a job in an allied health clinic and you're an exercise physiologist. You can only prescribe exercise. You can only talk about exercise. You can only do certain things in your, in your scope of practice. And I remember again, um, talking to a work cover patient about, um, their injury this was in Tamworth and like lovely rural town and he had a back injury and he was like had all these restrictions on him couldn't lift more than 10 kilos couldn't sit in the car for a certain amount of time couldn't stand for a certain amount of time like all of these restrictions and as a new grad I was like oh my god this guy's gonna break like I can't get him to do anything essentially and so I loaded the pin machine with a 10 kilo plate, the cable machine, and he freaked out. It's like, no, nah, I can't, I, you know, I put a 10 kilo limit. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So I pulled it back. I don't know if you have much experience or the listeners have much experience with the cable machine, but the cable does most of the work. It's, you know, 10 kilos isn't really equate to 10 kilos. Mm. And so anyway, I've got him doing something that he's comfortable with. I've got him moving. And he starts telling me about how he went pigging on the weekend and all of the stories around that and I remember sort of stepping back from that session and I was like he was scared to load this plate with 10 kilos yet he's out hunting Mm. giant animals again like something didn't add up and that was the first part of I've been put, I've taken myself into this industry that is focused on one part of the human body and one part of the human body experience. Mm -hmm. And these people aren't going to get better if we only look at one aspect of it. Mm. So what other aspects, like when you talk about that, and I guess a a broader view or a more holistic view and, you know, an inverted commas, like uh, what did that mean for you? Like, where else did you start to look? Did you study? What, like, how did you go next step on it? So that next step, I was focused on myself. I, I had, like I said, moved to this town and needed to make my own friends. So I joined a CrossFit gym and threw myself into CrossFit and movement and the paleo lifestyle. And because 
career-wise, I was just doing what I thought I had to do. I was working in an allied health clinic, doing the exercise prescription, and that was that was the career path I had chosen. So at this point, that's just blinkers were on and that's what I was doing. Meanwhile, for myself, I was, yeah, throwing myself into this lifestyle that I I was being taught was healthy. Mm-hmm. And so I was crossfitting six days a week, eating this paleo lifestyle. And I remember waking up one morning crying and I just, it just was so foreign and I didn't understand. There was nothing tangible that I could put my ha- fingers on that was a reason for this. And I remember thinking, I've got a job that I love. I've got a you know, career that I love. I am exercising, I'm eating healthy, but mm. my body isn't responding. I'm textbook right now and my body isn't responding. What What's going on? And I remember reading a quote somewhere and it was something like, um, if you want to go somewhere you've never been, you've got to do something you've never done. Mm. And I just thought, well, if this is textbook healthy and I'm not healthy, then I need to wipe the slate clean and start mm. again. So stepped back from CrossFit, started eating the foods that I just wanted to eat. Um, And so I removed labels, basically, just removed labels. I ate, I moved, I did yoga. I learned what relaxing was. And my body started to feel like my own again. And that was sort of the start then. And again, the human body is its own unit it's its own ecosystem obviously an organism and it's not silly it knows what it wants and so Mm. starting to trust that again yeah yeah I think so many people as they hear that will be resonating and I know that you work mostly with women or maybe all with women but I can tell you myself I went through a similar thing I know a lot of guys went through a similar thing just I think uh, a lot of the fitness stuff, like you can go so hard, whether it's movement, it doesn't matter the name of the thing, but that fitness nutrition thing can create this perfect storm that one day you wake up, you just like, you don't know what hit you. You can't get out of bed. Like it it can get pretty serious. Um, So can I ask you a question on that? Yeah. Yeah. So Again, maybe it's just the industry that I'm in, but I see a lot of women come forward and go and talk about their story. Why don't men talk about the story? You know, I don't know. I think women are smarter. <laughs> I think women are smarter. I, I, I've talked to a few guys about it. Um, I used to a lot because we own the gym and I, I used to write a lot about this stuff. But, you know, culturally, I think for guys like, Well, I guess it's the same. There's such a a strong body image sort of deal going on that, that, you know, whether it's fasting for 36 hours or whatever they're doing at the time, like these things all kind of point towards a certain uh, ideal or a certain kind of mirage thing. But I don't know. I think you got to burn out. And before you are open to the conversation, unfortunately, that was my case anyway. And it could be that, uh, I don't know. I, I think women are smarter. I think they're more in tune with their bodies. I think mm-hmm. they um, talk to each other more, maybe about it. And I'm generalizing here, but that would be my gut feeling. Okay. Yeah. Because but it's a, it's a, 
it's a it's a thing with guys like it's it's big time it's i don't doubt it because i have these conversations you know my target market and my clients are females but i do i have the conversations with men and they ask me you know who can i talk to about this and i sort of i can help them in so many ways but yeah there's no one really i don't know of anyone at the moment who's really speaking up about it and doing it to the same degree that women are doing it with their female clients yeah yeah and so talk to me about how this shifted or shaped the work that you did so you exercise physiologist now the previous world kind of was crumbling underneath your feet Mm -hmm. and you've got a paradigm shift and a new way of looking at the world what did you do in terms of your professional work and kind of like I guess, lead us into a little bit of what you're doing now and who you're serving and all of that. It was hard. It was a, it was hard and it was a long journey. Again, coming out of university and going into this career that there's expectations that I was, you know, you're on a, I'm on a career path. You need to follow that career path. These are the guidelines with that career. Um, and if you weren't happy that it just wasn't spoken about, it just wasn't spoken about because I was employed. I was, you know, I can't articulate it well enough that, you know, this was the path and that's what you need. That's what I needed to do to then continue on with my life, get a, you know, go to uni, get a job, get married, have kids, do the things society tells you is important to do. So I ended up leaving Tamworth and moved back to Sydney. Um, I had an amazing mentor in Sydney and we worked in an amazing clinic and we still as exercise physiology, like a different still as an ex-phys. Yeah. Yeah. Still as an ex-phys. And but we worked in a multidisciplinary clinic. So not only then could it Not only was it, I mean, I was still only doing exercise stuff, but we were open to that conversation about mental health, about nutrition, about rehabilitation. And we were all literally in the one room. So it wasn't, while exercise was my area of expertise, I was standing next to the naturopath or the dietitian or whatever. And we were having that open conversation about what needed to happen so it was that community feel that, mm-hmm. you know, and that welcoming of, and again, I can't keep coming back to this theme, but the human body has so many different facets to it. It's not just one facet and everything needs to work together. So that was the start to me kind of going, cool, there's more to this than just, um, I'm allowed to start talking about other things. It doesn't just have to be exercise focused. Um, I spent 12 months in Sydney and then ended up in the Barossa Valley, South Australia. Again, still as an exercise physiologist. But in this town, in the Barossa, I was by myself and Mm -hmm. there was no one around me to have these other conversations with, which at first was quite daunting, um, but then was kind of really cool. And Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, there's no one here to tell me you can't talk about this. You can't talk about that. Um, so the dialogue started. And part of the other theme in this is because I was working with a lot of government-funded sessions, so Medicare, Department of Veterans Affairs, um, NDIS and Disability, um, 
the clientele would come for their sessions and have a certain number of sessions and then leave again. Mm-hmm. And then the following year, they'd get the same amount of sessions. You do the session. So it was this like revolving door. And I was watching this pattern of there was no ownership. So it was someone else's responsibility. Someone else was looking after them. Someone else was paying the bill. Someone else, someone else. Whereas my private clients were showing up for the sessions. They were listening to everything I was saying. They were wanting to read the things that I was suggesting that they were reading. They were listening to the things that I was suggesting that they were reading. And the private clients were getting better, so to speak. And my other clients were sort of staying where they were. Mm -hmm. They were responsive to the treatment, but they weren't improving. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the next peg in the life. Again, cool. There is, you can give these people a sense of ownership. You can give them something to work towards and they will do it and they will respond. Um, I then started coaching CrossFit. So I'm back in the gym, started doing that. Um, And again, it was, as you know, watching these programs be put in place, And I had all this background in chronic disease. So diabetes, heart conditions, arthritis, chronic injuries, all this sort of stuff. And then had this healthy population and decided it was about prevention. It wasn't about management and um, it wasn't about management. It was what I wanted to do was prevention. Mm -hmm. And so take this knowledge that I had had on the human body and this understanding of the human body to build awareness around the prevention and handing back power to my clients in their own health yeah 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 okay cool very powerful so how do how do you wrap that all up now like is it still an exercise world tell me a little bit about how that's changed or evolved since you made that i guess realization or view so, I mean, I think I spoke about, like, I briefly touched on the fact that I wasn't very well when I was living in Tamworth and sort of started unpacking my own journey there. Um, I'd been diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS and through my own education, trial and error, came to understanding those symptoms and controlling them. And like I said, bringing my body back to a state of health. So when COVID hit last year and the gym shut down, I said to myself that obviously there's no better time than now to bring this program alive and actually teach people about their bodies again and teach them what health is. So now it's a one-on-one coaching method that encompasses everything. So the first model is talking about who, who we are as a human being, what drives us, what sparks us, what lights us up. Once you understand those foundations, we can start adding in nutrition and movement. But until we understand who we are as an individual, there's mm. no moving into these other components. Mm. Do you find that, you know, I was just thinking when you spoke about, you're asking about guys earlier, and it seems like a lot of times in the cases, in my experience with the people that I know, uh, they get into trouble or we get into trouble when we get really attached to one cultural, let's say, rabbit hole. It could be like, it could be CrossFit. It could be any of these. And they, they're all great things, right? But when you get 
um, sometimes, you know, like myself, I would tend to get obsessed on things, right? So, but when you get obsessed, like that's sometimes the the little the little kind of red flag or the thing that creates yeah. the problem. And it sounds like in your work, the first part is you're helping them kind of connect back to who they are underneath all that, like sort of out, take a step out of that culture and go, okay, like John, like what, what makes you feel really good or whatever, forget CrossFit for a second. And is that kind well, of resonating it, at all? Yeah. What is it about CrossFit that you love? What is it about yeah, it that, yeah. you know, and it usually is, you know, if we look at CrossFit, it's that community, it's the connection, it's the being involved in something, and so how can we put that in or how can we still access that while main while achieving our goals and while doing the other things that we want to do? Mm. Um, one, yeah. Do what one thing that pops to mind on that do, I guess like, you know, just if you're listening, I guess, is it about leaving the thing or do you recalibrate how you look at like, so say I love the thing that I'm doing, right? Like, gymnastics strength training or whatever is it like okay cool like let's look at how we can keep doing these things that you love and then like rejigging the approach to it like so maybe yeah maybe just talk through i guess the process might be the easiest with somebody yeah so it's not about telling telling you that you can't do something because if you love something who am i to stand here and go hey don't do this yeah but we bring in a couple of other factors so if you, this thing that you really love is really good for you mm -hmm. how are you sleeping what's your relationship like with food what's your relationship like with your body what's your relationships socially like um so bringing it back into, hang on a minute, this is my human body. This is my body in front of me. What's it portraying to me? And then looking at how we can support the human body in that activity or you in that activity mm. so that that activity might be a goal. It might be, you know, four weeks away. It might be three months away. It might be just two weeks off. You know, it doesn't, there's not a real timeline on that, but how can I, because the other part of loving that activity and loving what they're doing while perceiving themselves to love that, mm. it could be a distraction. It could be a numbing agent. It could be the thing that's actually blocking them from getting what they want for the long term. So again, not saying that they have to remove that from their lives, but just taking it away for a moment and going, hey, what is really going on? What's really yeah. happening in the body? And using that as a tool to maybe come back to. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. What's yeah. some of the, uh, I don't know if you can generalize, but maybe the common things that you see or a favorite, or, you know, a particular person that you've worked with or what is the what has that resulted in or how has that changed well, how does it often change how people are living or exercising or eating? Like what sort of shifts do you see happen? You know, when you asked me to do this podcast, I was actually thinking about this question and the biggest thing that um, my clients get out of working with me. And I 
again, when I designed the program, I was like, I'm going to give them everything. We're going to talk about mindset. We're going to talk about nutrition. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about that. And, you know, they're just going to get it all. And the biggest thing that my girls get out of this and my ladies get out of this is the spark in their eyes when all of the dots start to join together and they start to realize that they don't have to be getting up at four o'clock in the morning and missing breakfast with their kids to go to the gym five days a week to fight with their kids over all the different food groups and whatever it is um, to then come home and feel exhausted and like they have to do a million things that we just put this plan in place and they can take all the food rules that they've they thought were gospel that aren't gospel anymore and actually give them clarity and understanding in all of the aspects of life like I said it's not just about the food and nutrition it's about understanding what sparks them as a human being and what sparks them as an individual to see that light come back in their eyes and go oh my gosh I don't have to feel guilt or shame around these things I can just enjoy them and Mm -hmm. still be the mom I want to be still be the wife I want to be still be the friend that I want to be and not have to punish myself for it. Yeah. 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 I can understand that. Okay. Well, maybe talk a little bit about what the, what that looks like. How do you facilitate that with somebody? uh, I'm imagining, I mean, we're doing this podcast on zoom. It seems like that's a, that's a pretty cool platform to have now. Do you do things on zoom as a face to face? Like what's, what's the world look like and how does the actual, uh, and you know, how does somebody actually work with you? Did you see the thing on Instagram the other day? It was like, um, you know, the zoom world is so funny. I know your deepest traumas, but I've never seen your legs. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah, my life is run on zoom. My business is run on zoom. And again, it's so, I keep coming back to this, but the cool thing is, is that these ladies show up and we have an education model. So we've got a few modules that we work through so that they're getting the education and understanding. That's the biggest thing and having empowering them to make their own decision is giving them the education. And so we work through these modules and then they get a little homework task and go away and do it. And this homework task isn't, you know, go and write essays or read books or whatever. It's usually just tiny little things that they can start with making new habits. And when they first show up to the Zoom sessions, their body language is like, oh gosh, what is this? What are we doing? Who is this person? And as the weeks go on, they literally get closer to the camera, closer to the camera. They're more excited. Their body language opens up. And it's just the coolest thing to witness when the power, and like I said, the spark comes back in their eyes. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Sounds pretty cool. And do they work with you for a set period of time or is this ongoing? So it's a minimum six week, mm-hmm. six week period to work through the modules. And then they have the option to stick on for accountability sessions. They stay as long as I love it. And yeah, I, again, because I designed this six-week program to give them everything. I was like, poof, they're going to leave and I'll be like, see you later, bye. And yeah, it's, it 
because the idea is that I want to empower them to make their own decisions and not have to go and see people and make appointments and constantly Mm. be in this cycle of returning to the practitioner. I want them to have the confidence to do it on their own. So I didn't design a model in which they needed to keep coming back to me. Um, But at the moment, yeah, they stick on for about another two to three months of accountability Yeah, and then they get their wings and fly. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, what about for you? What is your, how do you do the exercise now and how has it changed like your own practices and and training and all the rest of it? I, I move. So, um, a little while ago, I came to the realization again, that exercise is so much more than aesthetics and how we look. And I was constantly in the gym for aesthetics reasons. And when I realized that the human body was so much more than how it looked, I, again, kind of stepped out of the gym. I stepped into nature, started walking um, and just chose movement practices over, quote unquote, smashing myself in the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, I still thoroughly enjoy all my big powerlifting movements and picking up heavy weights. Um, but it's not about that anymore. It is about yeah. coming back into my body and understanding what, how and what it wants to do. Yeah. And do is that governed? I know this is kind of a side question now. Is that governed by feel, like how you feel each day? Or do you still kind of loosely tie a program kind of thing together? Or what's the what sort of guides it? Um, definitely goes off feel. I, but because I'm no longer in the gym, I'm working at home from my computer. I don't see anyone anymore except for my lovely Zoom sessions. Um, So I've jumped back into the gym. I do a couple of gym sessions, but it's, again, that's more on a social basis. Um, And then a couple of the local practitioners and I do a um, yoga session once a week which is we just get to walk in there on a Friday and we say to Tanya a lovely instructor hey we've had this sort of a week can we do this and mm. we either end up doing an amazing restorative session or we do a play session where we end up doing handstands and all sorts of stuff so um, again basically just goes off feel yeah 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 great um, Mel maybe talk tell the people like one where to find you but then also maybe i know they probably would have picked it up based off of everything you've said but uh who who might be interested in your work or who could reach out or and where to reach out i suppose uh so i am predominantly on instagram mel k mel underscore k a y e underscore x biz um and who so I'm working with women um who have spent the last basically the last 15 years growing up with social media and all of these amazing sporting trends and nutrition trends and are just really confused about how to actually handle their body and look after their body without labeling it as a diet as a movement as a challenge to just come back to their bodies and want to take control again love it perfect place to wrap it up is there anything else that you'd like to add or mentioned while you while we're here 
no, just a massive thanks to you and Ruby for Creator Club and bringing the community together and the opportunity to speak on the podcast today. Beautiful. Well, I'll put those contact details in the show notes as well. And thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Love the work you're doing and the message as well. I think it's really important. So thanks for sharing all of that. Cool. Thanks, John.